Do you believe that Jesus can heal you, body, mind, and soul? Do you really believe that? Or do you only kind of believe it? Maybe you've prayed and prayed to be set free from a health problem or an addiction or fear, shame, loneliness, heartache, and you name it, but nothing seems to happen. So now maybe you're like a friend of mine that I've told you about before who's a pastor, and one day a man said to him, Pastor, the Bible says we should preach, teach, and heal. You preach and teach, but you don't heal. And my friend said, well, that's because I've tried that before and nothing much happens. And the guy said, well, when you preach, nothing happens either, but that doesn't stop you. <laughs> do you believe, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? Because I do. And I believe it more today than I did two weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you why later. So let that be a teaser to keep you awake for the rest of the sermon. We're talking about dangerous prayers, and I want to talk about the prayer, Heal Me, which doesn't sound very dangerous, but it is if we really mean it. And I know that this topic instantly raises all kinds of questions like, do miracles still happen? Does Jesus still do physical healings? And I'm not going to really go into that, but short answer, yeah, I think he does. In fact, this week a man from his church told me that he leads a Bible study at the Monroe prison. One of the prisoners there had been praying for his mother's knee to heal, but it, it didn't heal. In fact, it got worse. So this prisoner's mom scheduled surgery to have her knee repaired because nothing, you know, nothing else was working. Well, then one of the other prisoners told this guy that God had revealed to him in a dream that his mom needed to forgive some family members. So this guy told his mom, and who had in fact been hurt by her family, and she, even though she was in the right, she forgave them. Next time he talked to her, his mom's knee had been healed. She canceled the surgery. Jesus sometimes does miracles, but not always. And there is no formula for getting healed. It's not like if we forgive everyone, we'll always be healed. There's no formula, but he does heal. But today I'm not going to talk about that so much. I want to talk about instead the ways that Jesus heals us on the inside. How he heals us from our hurts, our shame, our anger, our brokenness and broken relationships. Or how about fear? Anyone feel any fear this week as you watch the news? Huh? Wouldn't it be nice to be free from that? And when, you even, and when you experience Jesus' transformation in your heart and his love in your heart, even if your body is still sick, you can do that in joy because you've experienced God so deeply. And that's what I want to talk about today, how he heals us on the inside, which leads to the heal me prayer, which can be dangerous for two reasons. First, to pray heal me and really mean it means that we have to let Jesus deep inside of our soul and clean out all the junk, and that can be uncomfortable. And that's what's going on in this story. You know, Jesus is teaching, and suddenly these people dig open the roof, so there's dirt and rocks flying everywhere. And they lower this paralyzed man in front of Jesus, and what's the first thing he says? Your sins are forgiven. Huh? The guy's paralyzed. Jesus doesn't say you're healed. He doesn't say, here's a good doctor I know of in Jerusalem. He doesn't say, at least, you know, I know a carpenter who can fix that roof. You know, nothing practical, right? Your sins are forgiven. And have you been this guy who kind of sit, can imagine him saying, my sins are forgiven. Very nice, Jesus, but the issue here is my legs. See, a lot of times when we pray, heal me, what we really mean is fix this problem so that my life can be easier. Someone told me a story this week about a, a woman who was looking for a parking spot, and she prayed, Lord, if you give me a parking spot, I'll give up liquor and dancing. And just then a car pulled out, and, and she said, oh, never mind, Lord, I just found one. <laughs> that is often how we... What we really mean when we say, heal me, what we really mean is, fix this problem so my life gets easier. But Jesus wants to give us so much more. Uh, he wants to give us so much more than just making our life easier. 
He wants to give us what the Bible, the biblical word is shalom, which means complete wholeness, body, mind, and soul. And that's what he's doing for this paralyzed man. Because you see, then, as sometimes still today, folks believe that if you were ill, it was because God was punishing you for something. Now, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus makes it very clear that is not the case. So if you are suffering right now, it is not. It is not punishment. And by saying your sins are forgiven, Jesus is getting inside this man's heart and removing the shame that was a block to him experiencing the Father's love. And the Father's love is the only thing that can make us whole. And that's what he wants to do for you and me. Remove the barriers that keep us from experiencing him. Things like unforgiveness or unconfessed sin. Sin doesn't keep us from God, but unconfessed sin does because it makes us afraid to go. Shame, on and on and on. The healing prayer is dangerous because if we really mean it, Jesus will get inside our heart and clean out all the junk, and that can be a little uncomfortable. The second reason this prayer is dangerous is that when Jesus does heal us, it can make life more complicated. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus heals a blind man, but it's on the Sabbath, so all the religious leaders freak out because it's on the Sabbath, and they give this formerly blind man a theological grilling. You know, who healed you? Why? How did he heal you? Is he legitimate? Blah, blah, blah. Finally, the guy says, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. And then the religious leaders keep harassing him. We tend to think that if only Jesus would do a miracle in our lives, well, then maybe our lives would get easier. Not necessarily. This guy gets a miracle, and then the religious leaders make his life more complicated, as religious leaders are wont to do, I guess. Now, his life also got bigger, richer, deeper, better. I mean, he used to be a blind, timid beggar, and now he's this man with sight who can stand before religious authorities and stare him down without any fear. And he's had a close encounter with Jesus, who is God in the flesh, but it does complicate his life. You see, it can be kind of scary when the lion of the tribe of Judah decides to roar. Because that doesn't fit inside our comfortable boxes. <clears throat> so if we pray, Lord, heal me, he might just answer that prayer and a whole lot of stuff might start to change. We may have to give up some sin or addiction that we're kind of fond of. Or forgive someone that we're mad at. If we really feel his love inside of us moving us around, we'll start to do things that might scare people. We'll start to really seek justice for the poor. We'll have all kinds of joy even when the Dow Jones plummets and folks might think we're kind of weird. When we pray, heal me, our lives just might come unhinged. But another word for unhinged is free. One of the interesting things about preaching is that you often live the topic you preach on. And over the years, I've shared bits and pieces of my life. You've been very gracious to Listen to those bits and pieces. I want to share something that God did uh, last week in my life that I think is a next step in my spiritual journey. And I hope that this is going to be helpful for you. I went to a conference designed to help pastors connect with God and get refreshed. And I really needed it. I, there's been some conflict situations that I've had to deal with, which for a conflict-averse guy like me is kind of tough. Plus, I think this economy just kind of gets to all of us. And to be honest, I felt spiritually empty. And God, God felt very distant, and I was kind of angry at him because he felt so distant, and I kind of felt like he wasn't helping very much. So I went praying with a greater sense of desperation than normal. Lord, heal this emptiness. Heal my relationship with you. I'm kind of mad at you. Lord, heal my fears. Well, for the first two and a half days, nothing happened. I felt nothing. Everyone around me is, you know, I feel so close to God. I'm refreshed. Me, nothing. Not a zip. You know, I'm just looking at all these other people going... Glad it's working for you. <laughs> but then on the third day, we were in worship, and I felt this sense of 
that, uh, the, the presence of God, but it was at a distance. And I knew I could get closer to it, but I was afraid. So I said, Holy Spirit, show me why I'm afraid right now. Instantly, I got two memories that I have not thought of for 35 years. Of a time when I was 12 years old at a Christian camp, sitting on a rock, praying, and God suddenly felt very, very powerfully present. Felt like he was about to do something supernatural. Then the next memory I had was, was telling someone about that moment right after I'd gotten back from that camp, and that person got angry and said, where'd you learn that? That's stupid. Who put that stupid idea in your head? What they teach you at that camp went on and on, basically shamed me for that feeling. And I had those two memories in a row, and I realized that my fear was that either I was making this feeling of closeness to God up in my mind, in which case I was embarrassed for being so gullible, or it was real. But if I told anybody about it, they'd mock me. Either way, it would end in shame. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I break agreement with the lie that if I have a genuine experience of God, I will be embarrassed. And then I said, Lord, if this feeling is you right now, if it's not you, Lord, if it's not you, please stop it. But if it is you, bring it on. But I only want the real deal. If it's not you, stop it. Well, that must have removed some kind of block because instantly I felt this intense, this never happened to me before, felt this intense tingling started in my head, went all the way down to my feet, and then I felt this heavy weight on me. It was like an extremely heavy, comforting blanket, and suddenly, not sure how it happened, my legs buckled, and I fell to my knees in front of everybody. I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> this was outside my comfort zone. And the only way I can describe it is that the presence of the triune God around me was so palpably real, everything else, music, scenery, everything faded, and all I could experience was the presence of God. And the only other thing I felt were four hands on my back. My friend that I'd gone to conference with who was praying for me, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I started to cry, because I have never felt so loved by the Father in all of my life. I mean, I've told you before about moments when I've heard God in the past. This was exponentially more powerful. God was so real, I could almost physically see him. And I just sat there, and I just soaked in his presence for a really long time, loving well, the conference <clears throat> went on two more days, and a few other powerful experiences happened to me, which maybe I'll share some other time. But the whole time, I kept using my best analytical skills. You know, a former PhD student, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I kept asking, is this God, or am I making it up? How do I know it's real? And I thought, you know, I'm probably just tired and emotional. Probably go away as soon as I leave. It's just a retreat. Hi. <clears throat> well, the conference ended. We went to the airport, went through all of those lines and all of that stuff, you know, which is guaranteed to kill anything spiritual, right? <laughs> D-O-A. <clears throat> on the airplane, I was reading this 900-page book that I'm really into on the Great Depression, not that I'm preparing for anything, <laughs> and on World War II. And I was deeply immersed in Japanese naval tactics in the Pacific, just riveted on this stuff. And suddenly, whoosh, that incredibly heavy sense of God's presence came back, and I could not concentrate on that book, no matter how hard I tried, Jesus was so palpably present and he wanted to talk. So I put the book down and, and started to pray, and it felt like Jesus literally stepped in, into my body. His head was inside my head, his feet were in my feet, his heart was in my heart, I was a uniform that Jesus was wearing. And I felt this intense physical heat right here, and I got a very clear picture of a sun, S-U-N, inside the four chambers of my heart, and I felt the burning love the Father has for me in a way I have never experienced in 28 years of being a Christian, right there on the plane. And he said, so clear it was almost audible, Scott, Scott, you have no idea. You 
have absolutely no idea how much I love you. I was oblivious to everything. I mean, I, by this time I was physically shaking. Poor person next to me, they must have wondered what my deal was. And then that heat began to spread to the rest of my body, and as it did, it pushed out fear. And then God put some ideas in my head of some stuff that I needed to do when I got back here to work. Some conflict that I needed to deal with. Some people I needed to pray for in a way that would name some of their inner brokenness in a way that was going to make all of us uncomfortable. And as I thought about those tasks that I had to do, I had this strange feeling in the pit of my stomach. Nothing. Now normally a thought like that would make me nervous. This time it didn't. And I realized I didn't care what they thought about me. My father loved me and he asked me to do something and I was going to do it. And then I thought about the economy. And, and I wasn't worried. I even tried to worry. I couldn't. And then I thought about how if I told anybody about this experience that I was ha having, they'd probably think I'd gone off the deep end and they might say some weird things about me. And then I had this thought, oh well. <laughs> For 47 years, my fear of what other people would think of me has been my constant burden. And for the first time in 47 years, it was gone. My chains were off, my heart fell free. Jesus had healed something. <laughs> And suddenly, verses that I have preached on dozens of times, I know them in the original Greek, for heaven's sakes, suddenly made sense to me in a whole new way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, that's what it means, this feeling I've got. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And the one that kept going through my head, perfect love, casts out fear. And I felt crazy amounts of courage inside of me. And I said, Father, you give me this feeling of your intense love for me, and I will do anything you ask. I can scale a mountain. I can take an army. There is no sin right now that is even remotely attractive to me in comparison to this feeling that you are giving me. You give me this feeling, Father, and I can do anything, and I am not worried about what people think. I am my Father's son. Whom shall I fear? And I just soaked in his presence for about 30 minutes. And then, after that, this is kind of goofy, but I thought about my book. And I said, God, you know, when I get back, I'm really busy, and now's the only time I have to read this book, so are we done now? Mr. <laughs> pastor, right? And I felt God go, yeah, for now. So I went back to reading my book, only that heavy feeling of his presence didn't go away. He was still with me, and I felt him smile. And I felt him say, Scott, I love the way you love this book. I gave you this nerdy, quirky little brain of yours that is fascinated with Japanese naval strategy of World War II, and I'm just getting a kick out of watching you read this book. It gives me joy. And I felt the fullness of his joy inside of me. Then a few minutes later, it was clear he wanted to talk some more, so I put the book down, and that's how the rest of the flight went. Now, did I make all of that up out of emotion? It's possible, I suppose. But you know what, after negotiating airport lines and when the only thing I was thinking about was Japanese naval strategy of World War II, it doesn't seem likely. Not a likely moment for that to have happened. And I've done the things that he asked me to do this week and it mildly freaked some people out. In fact, one staff person said to an elder, yeah, Scott came back real different and I'm staying out of his way. <laughs> but mostly they liked it, I think. Right guys, what, what can they say? Right? <laughs> mostly they liked it because some of them said, I see a freedom in you I haven't seen ever before. And that palpable sense of Jesus has not gone away. In fact, this week I was meeting with Rich, our missions pastor, and we are talking about mission strategy, and suddenly Jesus was so present I could not concentrate. I kept trying to do the meeting, but I couldn't do it. And so finally I had to say, Rich, I'm sorry, but Jesus has something he wants to say, so you need to leave. He was a little weirded out by that, but mostly he thought that was okay. 
Now, normally I wouldn't do that, right? It's embarrassing, but somehow I didn't care. My father had something to say, and I was willing to be interrupted. And now all I want to do is pray. I keep sneaking off to pray. And instead of bringing him my sort of requests and demands, I just soak in his presence. I love this. It's fantastic. Now, is my fear of what other people think of me completely gone? No, it's still there a little bit, you know, like right now as I tell you this story. And I know that the devil is going to try to make me afraid. And I know that total healing will be a process, because most things are a process. But even though that fear isn't completely gone, it's mortally wounded, and I don't think it's going to recover. I prayed, heal me, Lord. And he removed a memory that was blocking my experience of him, and then he reached deep into my soul, and he healed my fear with his love. And yeah, it might make life harder if I start doing what he says to do. People might think I'm kind of weird. Oh, well. And if I get criticized, I will pray, Lord, help me to hear what is true in this criticism so I can grow, but also help me to take my identity only from you. So how about you? What needs healing in your life? This is not a story about me. This is also a story about you. Because I believe Jesus wants to heal us all, especially on the inside. What hurt, what pain, what sin, what memory needs healing in you? You don't have to wait 28 years for it to happen. Jesus wants to heal all of us. So this week, will you pray from the bottom of your heart, Lord Jesus, heal me and mean it. Lord, get into the kitchen of my life and do business because I want to be made whole. Great first step for you to take would be to save the date for a conference we're going to have here called Soaking in His Presence, March 5th through 7th. Same people that led the conference I was at are going to be here to teach us how to connect to God in healing ways. I would really encourage you to go, March 5th through 7th. You know, the Bible says that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I are adopted sons and daughters of God. And when we experience his passionate love for us, we are healed of our addictions, our shame, our fear, our hurts, our wounds, and sometimes even our diseases. But even if we aren't physically healed, when we feel what I felt on the plane, we still have crazy amounts of joy because we are our father's son. We are our father's daughter, and that has made us whole. Even if I do something he tells me to and people think I'm, I'm weird, I am my father's son, it won't bother me. Even when the economy gets worse and worse and worse, I am my father's son. His love casts out my fear, he'll take care of me somehow. Even if people unfairly criticize me, I am my father's son, I take my identity only from him. And there is no sin, no disease, no despair, no hurt, no shame, no addiction, no brokenness inside of me or inside of you that cannot be healed by my father's love. I am my father's son. You are your father's son. You are your father's daughter. And this is our father's world. And we have nothing to fear, nothing to hide. There's nothing that can hold us up, tie us down, or keep us back. His love launched a trillion galaxies. His love made the blind man see. His love cracked open the tomb and conquered death. His love can set you free. You are your father's son. You are your father's daughter. This is our father's world, and he will make you whole. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah.